This is Invest Talk. Independent thinking, shared success. Justin Klein and Steve Peasley stand ready to take your finance and investment questions and share their unbiased answers. Invest Talk is made possible by KPP Financial, a registered investment advisor firm serving clients throughout the United States. The clarity for your path forward starts now. Here is KPP Chief Executive Officer, Financial Advisor, Justin Klein. Good afternoon, fellow investors, and welcome back to Invest Talk. This is our Wednesday, December 21st, 2022 edition, and we are counting down the days till the new year. And as we as we end this year, I want to touch a bit on you know, kind of sum up, I guess you could say, uh, this year. And it's only fitting that you're starting to see the unwind of Elon's empire to a degree. Right? He's alienating his fan base, um, and you see the stock price of Tesla suffering. And if you have studied anything about why that price of Tesla stock has gone up, you know that it's because of a very large gamma squeeze and gamma squeezes are reflexive, which is how it got such insane valuations, but they're reflexive also in both ways. Um, so you're starting to see that unravel as we come to the close of this year, which is only fit. But I want to broaden it out to a saying that really I only started to hear when when I started to you know dig into Tesla and the details of the company and uh, their very strong fan base, which granted now is dwindling. And it's the term FUD. FUD stands for Fear, Uncertainty, and Doubt. If you've been in any online circles, you probably have heard this term or, or read this term. Um, and it really sums up the era that is now coming to a close. Right As all of these story stocks are unraveling, the big great one is finally coming down on its knees. And the, the simple explanation of what FUD is, is when people that are fans of, whether that's Bitcoin, Tesla, any other uh, investment, and they start throwing that term out there, um, it's really an online form of a temper tantrum. You know, when your child throws a tantrum, they put their hands over their ears, and, you know, they scream, la, 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 right? They don't want to hear it. And it's truly the antithesis of what a good investor should do. Every investor should be listening to critics, to balancing, balancing out the arguments on both sides. That's what investing is. It's not attaching yourself to a narrative and sticking to it at every turn and falling in love with a stop. 
to one of the first lessons I ever got from my grandfather when I was in high school. One of the first sayings he ever taught me, don't fall in love with the stock. And too many people over the past decade plus have, have done that. They've ignored all logic. They've ignored all skeptics. They ignored all valuation metrics. Threw it out the window. They fell in love with the stock, with the company, with an investment, maybe that's Bitcoin or another cryptocurrency. And they were unwilling and unable to entertain FUD, fear, uncertainty, and doubt. And guess what? Every investment has some level of fear, uncertainty, and doubt. So what investing is, there's uncertainty. There are times when the holders of that asset have fear. And if you don't have any doubt in that investment, that means you've fallen in love. You're so head over heels that you aren't listening to the other side of the argument. And it doesn't mean that you're always going to be correct. You're not always going to be correct just by listening to both sides and entertaining both sides. You could weigh both sides and come out on the wrong side. It's okay. But if you're never looking at the other side, you're certain, you're 100% certain to eventually be wrong and eventually very wrong. And so as we close this year, I wanted to really hit on that as we go into next year and urge you to not fall in love with the stock, to not cover your ears and ignore the FUD. What you want to do is embrace the FUD. Understand the FUD. Accept the FUD. Because that's really investing. So I'm Justin Klein, and I'm here on this radio show and podcast today to help you make the most of your investment dollars, your savings, and help you make good money decisions consistently. So I look forward to this Invest Talk podcast and hearing your finance and investment questions. And the phone number is always open 24 hours a day, seven days a week. So I've got a lot of material to discuss with you today. My focus point concerns the story. One generation of wealthy investors are betting the market will be higher in 2023, but some others are not. We're going to see, does that teach us anything? Also, what about active investing? We're going to look at some of the numbers about this year and how did how do active funds how how are they going to fare most likely by the end of the year also congress is weighing some 401k retirement changes which we're going to dig into and then lastly 
stock prices may be quoted in tenths of a penny coming soon. So we're going to look at that. We also have some voice bank questions ready to play. One is on fully paid lending and stock losses. So I've got this all planned for this episode of Invest Talk and of course your questions live at 888 chart Let's take a look at the market today. It was a solid update, 56 points up on the net on the S&P, about one and a half percent in the broad market. Small caps about 1.7 percent. Fairly balanced in value versus the growth side. If I'm being honest with you, not really a big move on one side or the other. Just a nice solid one and a half to one and three quarters percent up day uh, on the back of. You know, the, the J- Japanese announcement at the end of uh, the close on Monday about raising their target, raising their yield curve control from quarter basis, a quarter of a percent to half a percent. Everyone was talking about how that was going to create some major problems. And I said, what major problems would that cause? You know, it was starting to cause a problem a couple of months ago when you had the blow with the Bank of England, Bank of Japan. And now... They're doing what everyone said they should be doing back then, which is raising rates, which would strengthen the yen, weaken the dollar a little bit, loosen up the financial conditions uh, in asset classes in, in both of those countries, right here in the U.S. and in, in, in Japan. And so the market was down after hours. I go, well, that doesn't make sense. And, and you're starting to see that bounce here. And I, that was my sentiment, really, is this should give the market some liquidity. Uh, overall, even though rates are slightly higher across the board, from a currency perspective, it's going to loosen uh, policy overall. So I think that was part of the reason you're also getting into that Santa Claus rally type of uh, effect. And we had some major support uh, uh, Monday. So uh, we'll see. And the, the most importantly, the market, the uh, corporate bond market really hasn't broken down. So that was the big story today. Nice solid update going into the end of the year just around the corner now we're heading into a break and i welcome your finance and investment questions now at 888 chart in today's world a variety of factors are affecting the stock markets serious investors know building a secure financial future requires hard work and determination that's why now more than ever When it comes to the planning, execution, and maintenance of your portfolio, you need InvestTalk. With total downloads nearing 50 million, each InvestTalk podcast should be one of your key financial planning and educational tools. InvestTalk is a free download, and hosts Justin Klein and Steve Peasley stand ready to provide their unbiased guidance and professional analysis developed from real-time data research and years of investing experience. 24-7 rain or shine, during smooth sailing or on rough weather days, the Invest Talk listener line is open and waiting for your questions. You set the agenda. Don't forget to call Invest Talk 888-99-CHART. One of the most rewarding things I do each weekday is host the Invest Talk podcast. I truly enjoy helping investors. And I know that every question counts and every answer I provide will be unbiased. 
you, the caller, get to chart the course for each Invest Talk podcast. Call with your questions anytime, day or night, 888 99Chart. Hey, this is Andrew from Atlanta. I'm trying to call about Rocket Pharmaceuticals. This is a stock that my relative is telling me about. I'm curious if this uh, company's making money. Is this a good investment? If you could please advise, we'll listen to your response. We'd love the show. Thanks. Bye. Oh, gosh. Okay. Uh, first lesson you should always learn, all of you, never take investment advice from your cousin or your brother or your neighbor. That's usually a bad, bad advice. They're usually telling you that after they've done really, really well, and it's already gone up. And, you know, they're, they're also probably in love with the story. The boring investments, people usually don't brag about. Just, just how it is. Right? Rocket Pharmaceuticals, they develop and commercialize curative first-in-class gene therapies. I don't know what that is. I don't know about their, their, their products. They don't earn any revenue. Zero revenue business. It's a farm, pharma company, $1.7 billion market cap. They don't make money. They lose money. So this is one of those gambles that their products are going to get through, uh, get through, you know, stage three trials, get to market. I haven't looked at this unless you know about the science behind it very well. You're a doctor, a scientist, a biologist, something to where you have some expertise here to make a decisive. Um, decision that is based in reality as opposed to just a story, um, then I wouldn't bet on it because you're just taking somebody's word and you have no idea whether that makes sense or not. Um, so this is a gamble. The technicals are fine. You know, it's an uptrend. So, you know, markets starting to price in higher likelihood that things will, will pass, but that doesn't mean that's guaranteed to, you know, if they have some sort of study that suddenly does not beat expectations of efficacy, et cetera, then the stock will drop 30, 40, 50% overnight. That's how these, these biotechs work. And so I wouldn't bet on it uh, unless I have a really good, strong understanding of the science and you, uh, you think the dressable market will be good enough as well. And that's another big part is, okay, yes, it could get to market, but based on the valuation, will the total, total revenue and profits from it Makes sense. That's a big question. Now it's a it's a it's a fast moving Wednesday, and the markets are constantly changing. We talked about that, and that probably means you have finance and investment questions you need answered. So remember, you set the agenda. This hour is for you. So give us a call now at eight 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 ninety nine chart. Christmas will be here soon, and then comes New Year's. Justin Klein and Steve Peasley are ready to answer your finance and investment questions. Call InvestTalk, 888-99-CHART. Now, my main focus point concerns this story. One generation of wealthy investors are betting the market will be higher in 2023. And this was a survey by who was CNBC. And they surveyed 761 millionaires, and 56% expect the S&P 500 to decline by 10% next year. A third expect the decline of more than 
And these are investors with $1 million or more in investable assets. Now, when asked about the biggest risk to their personal wealth over the next year, the largest number, 28%, said the stock market. Those are probably retirees, most likely. Right? That's where most of their assets are, are held up. You know, if they're business owners, they're certainly probably more worried about their business. Now, a million investors own more than 85% of individual held stocks. 85%. Think about that. And most are expecting returns of less than 4%, which is now less than, which is less than the current uh, short-term treasury rate. Nearly half of millionaire investors have more cash in their portfolio than last year. 46%. And 17% hold a lot more. Okay. So the majority have a little bit more or a lot more cash in their portfolios. 60% expect the economy to be weaker next year. But when you look at millennials, 81% of them expect their assets to be higher at the end of next year. Nearly half, 46%, expect their assets to be up 10% or more. Whereas 61% of baby boomers expect their assets to be lower or much lower next year. So a big dichotomy there. Now what this really tells you is sentiment overall is bombed out. And this is as of the end of November. And you are colored by your experiences, right? Millennials have been investing in a time where asset prices generally go up. Older investors, baby boomers, they were around in the 70s. They saw what inflation did to asset markets, where the SP drifted sideways or lower for most of the 70s. And so what does this tell you? It tells you near-term sentiment is bad. Remember, 85% of, the, uh, of stocks are owned by these wealthy investors. And they've already sold a lot. And they're fairly pessimistic. Doesn't mean they're right. You haven't seen these levels since 08, 09. And it doesn't mean that the market has to hold the bottom, but probably a lot closer to the bottom than we are at the top, right? So that's the lesson here is just because you have a lot of money, seven figures plus, which to some people is a lot of money. Other people's other people million dollars is not much anymore. But they also aren't aren't gospel. Just because you have a lot of money, they can make mistakes as well. And they often do. Now when people take the time to leave an invest talk review on iTunes, I could thank them for their courtesy by getting to their questions quickly. Chris from Boston says, would first seller be a good short? It seems to be overvalued and its cash flow seems weak, but it does not have much in terms of debt. Still don't think it will grow into the current valuation in the short, medium term, despite the government support of the industry. Let's take a look. First seller. Well, near term, they're losing money. They lost money in two of the last three quarters. But next year earnings are expected to be $5 per share. 
which even at those levels of earnings, they're talking about north of 30 times multiple. Now, they don't have a lot of debt. And that's one aspect of a, of a good short. I think a big one for me. Is I want the company to become in dire financial straits. Not just that they're overvalued. I want, I mean, that's when the, va- the value of the equity goes down dramatically. Is when they have a lot of debt. Suddenly, they maybe can't service that debt. Bankruptcy risk rises dramatically. And now, no longer are you, you know, uh, is the equity going to be worth very much. That's what I want to see in a short. And for solar, really doesn't fit that bill. And I want them to be the one of the weakest within the industry. And for solar is one of the strongest. And while I do think that the effectiveness of solar is overblown, meaning, you know, it works in certain parts of the country, certain parts of the world, but not in others. You know, if you live in the Northeast, it's not a great place for solar, kind of a waste uh, in those areas compared to, you know, the West, South uh, of the U.S. Live in Northern Europe, not a great place for that. Um, But in general, my point here is you're saying, should I short it? Well, it doesn't have a lot of debt. It's one of the better ones within the industry and technicals are fine. So, yeah, it's overvalued, but you don't just short a stock just because it's overvalued. It can easily get more overvalued. So, no, I would not short for solar. Now, the next invest stock story behind this headline. Tax loss harvesting done right could reduce your 2022 tax bill. After reducing your 2022 investment gains, you can use additional losses to lower regular income by $3,000 and carry the remaining losses forward to future tax years. We'll get that story tomorrow, but for now, I'm Justin Klein. I'm ready to take your questions live at 888-99-CHART. Let's say you've been thinking about learning a new language. Okay, why? I mean, how would it come in handy? And where would you want to use it? Could it be that you have an upcoming international trip? Or maybe you want to connect with family members or friends from a different culture? I think you should know about Rosetta Stone. With millions of users, it's been the world's most trusted language learning program for 30 years. Rosetta Stone is available on your desktop or as an app with audio companion and the ability to download lessons offline. Rosetta Stone truly immerses you in the language you want to learn. It has a built-in patented speech recognition engine called True Accent. So as you practice speaking, you'll get feedback on how well you pronounce words. With Rosetta Stone, you pick up a language naturally. First with words, then phrases, then sentences. It's an intuitive process designed for long-term retention. You really learn to speak, listen, and think in your new language. Rosetta Stone is an amazing value, so your special skill set is within easy reach. You know you want to do this, so don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, InvestTalk listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com today. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off now at rosettastone.com today. At this point, I think almost everyone has heard how generative AI promises to bring us to the next industrial revolution. 
AI is already shaping society with an impact on daily life that echoes the transformative significance of electricity or the internet. As we take steps to embrace the potential of generative AI, we need to remain vigilant with regard to its exploitability. This is where HackerOne comes in. HackerOne's AI Red Team addresses the novel challenges of AI safety and security for businesses that are launching new AI deployments. The HackerOne approach involves targeted offensive testing by harnessing the collective skills of ethical hackers who are proficient in AI and prompt hacking. In short, AI red teaming is the practice of stress testing AI models and deployments to make sure they can't be tricked into providing information beyond their intended use, and that security flaws can't be exploited to access confidential data or systems. HackerOne seamlessly integrates with your existing tools to enhance communication and collaboration across development, security, and IT teams. So, stay ahead of the game in the battle against cyber threats with HackerOne's Attack Resistance Platform. Learn more at HackerOne.com. That's H-A-C-K-E-R-O-N-E.com. HackerOne.com. Your objective is to work hard, plan well, and achieve financial freedom, right? You're in luck, because Justin Klein is here now, ready to take your finance and investment questions. Call 888-99-CHART. Hi, Steve and Justin. This is Kevin calling from La Crescenta. Um, happy holidays to both of you. I'm calling because I have a question about fully paid lending. I have my retirement account with Fidelity, and uh, I received an email asking if I was interested or enrolling in their fully paid lending program. Trying to see what the cons are of doing this. I understand it can also be done in a non-retirement account, but then uh, your dividends are no longer qualified dividends and turn into ordinary income. So I don't want to do that, but uh, I was looking into doing it with my retirement account and uh, seeing what you guys thought about uh, enrolling in this program just to get a little extra yield on, on my holdings. If you could just share your thoughts on it. I'm not worried about Fidelity going out of business or going bankrupt, so are there any other cons with participating? Uh, look forward to hearing your answer on the show. Thank you, as always. All right, fully paid lending. Um I, I don't have a ton of experience, to be honest with you, um, but I know it, it's a way to earn some extra yield on securities that you probably are going to hold anyway. Um, so, you know, and there's, uh, I, I know if you want to sell the underlying position, you have to kind of unwound, unwind, excuse me, the, uh, the lending program, um, you know, so you basically... Have to take it off this this program. Um, every institution's a, a, a bit different um, in their their terms and how it works. So you definitely want to understand uh, you know how each broker uh, deals with it. You do waive uh, your voting rights, which most people don't uh, really care about. Um, so it is something that I think if you, if you're going to hold the position, you know you're going to hold it for a long period of time. Uh, I, I don't see any uh, much downside uh, to it, uh, except for, like you said, there are some tax implications that you have to be aware of. Thanks for the call. 
Now let's touch a bit on active investing. And I've said this for a while now that, you know, we're in a new era. This is an, uh, for, for basically since the financial crisis, it's been an era where growth has outperformed value, where passive has outperformed active, where long duration assets have outperformed short duration assets. And this year, the opposite's happened. We know values outperform. We know that short duration assets are outperforming long duration assets. But what about active management? Well, there's a new stat. This is uh, Goldman Sachs did an analysis on large cap mutual funds. And about 55% of actively, uh, actively managed ones are on pace to beat their benchmarks this year. That would be the largest share since 2007. And if you go and look at a chart of growth over value, the last time or the, the last the end of the era of where value out, outperformed was basically from 2000 peak of the dot-com bubble 1.0 to 2007. After 2007, that's when growth started to outperform all the way until uh, basically double top last year, actually 2020. And then you had a, a kind of a, a lower double top um, last year. And so it's another piece of evidence, piece of data that shows you the era that everyone's been used to. If you're looking back over the last 10 years, it's over. Those large cap growth names, Amazon, Microsoft's, Apple's, Google's of the world, they dominate the S&P 500. And Investors poured money into passive investments. And now about 55% of assets within mutual funds and ETFs are in passive vehicles, meaning they're tracking some sort of index. And so stock pickers who actively manage their, their funds struggle to compete because if you didn't own those top holdings, you, you struggle. But now investors are bailing out of big tech because it's their long duration assets. And they're snapping up shares of shorter duration assets, energy stocks, defensive stocks that uh, are doing better in this environment. But those stocks have a much smaller influence on the broad market. In fact, the percentage of stocks outperforming the S&P within the S&P as of Thursday was the highest in roughly two decades. The highest in roughly two decades. Because those larger cap names are the ones that are dominating the returns because they're such a heavy influence. Now, the average U.S. open-ended mutual fund returned still down, but only down 5.8% through November. Right now, the S&P is down about 20%. Pays for the worst year since 08. Apple's down 25%. Amazon down 50 Microsoft down 30 Companies like Exxon up 72, PGE up for 30, CF Industries up 31. Short duration assets. And the SP, despite the shift, is still top heavy. The five largest co companies still represent 20% of the index. That's above the peak level during the tech bubble. 1.0.
And investors are still pouring money into passive funds and pulling money out of active funds, despite what you've seen this year, which means people are still tied to that old narrative. And that's unlikely to stick. All right. Now let's go talk to Sid in North Carolina. Let's talk about LC Lending Club. Yes, uh, Justin, thank you and happy holidays to you mm-hmm. and Steve. Mm-hmm. And it's a great show every time enjoyed listening and every time learning something new. Sure. So thank you for everything. Yeah, this particular stock is in my radar in the recent past. I'm not sure whether all numbers looks quite promising, but the market cap and the cash are both equal. Is it possible? And is this a good company for the long term? And what could be the entry point if you think it's a good company? Thank you so much. All right. This is Lending Club. They engage in operating an online lending marketplace platform that connects borrowers and investors. So they're the middleman between um, lenders and borrowers. Um, and you can get high yield by investing with uh, with them. Uh, and you can go borrow money and, you know, you are going to pay high, uh, high, high rate of return uh, or high, high rate of interest, but you get access to capital. The problem is, is that, you know, they were doing well when everyone had money, when people were borrowing money and they getting checks from the government, it was easy to pay off those loans and uh, lending club was doing just fine. Now the opposite is happening. I actually think this is a fantastic short. I would, I'd be sure this is a short to me. I think this is a bankrupt company at some point in the near future. So uh, I would absolutely not be buying Lending Club. Remember, this is consumer lending going into a recession. You don't want to be highly exposed to consumer loans. Two thousand nine, they made two cents. They lost money almost every year before that. Is not a consistent business. It's not a type of business you want to be investing in. Highly levered, very cyclical, history of spotty returns and and profitability. These are not the type of businesses you want to own, especially right now. They're all watching the calendar. There are about ten days remaining this year, and the stock market has certainly been presenting what we call changing market dynamics. And that means you need to be serious about your financial future. You can't just look back and think the last two or three years is studying history. You have to look farther back, not just 10 years, not just 20 years, 30, 40, 50 plus years. Understand you have different eras, different decades, different market regimes. And the question is, are you prepared for the current market regime? Well, if you need help understanding how your portfolio is prepared, I encourage you to reach out to myself or Steve Peasley at our company, KP Financial, based in Irvine, California, where we provide unbiased guidance both on and off air, and we practice parallel investing, which means we invest right alongside our clients. So I encourage you to take advantage of our free portfolio review assessment via telephone or go to meeting to send us a message through investtalk.com or call. 888, sorry, 800-557-5461. We'd love to help you. Short period of time, we can get your portfolio optimized. This is Invest Talk. Now, wait for it. Over 48 million downloads to date. Thanks to you. 
And next up, another caller question, so hang on. Why do listener questions make Invest Talk better? Which of these would you recommend? Because each caller presents fresh questions in their voice. When do I know the right time to take profits? And listeners instinctively realize that Invest Talk uniquely offers a welcome dose of investing satisfaction. I think you have a terrific show, and I've learned a whole lot. So don't forget to call Invest Talk. 888 99Chart. Hi, Stephen Justin, longtime caller here, and I love your show. Thank you guys very much for all you do to help us small investors out. I have a quick question. I know you've been recommending, and it's always a good thing to take your stock losses and stuff for tax reasons at the end of the year. To take the stock losses, I also know you need to whitewash rule for 31 days before you can buy them back again. How big of a loss do you need to have in a stock before you should take it? If you only have a stock loss and it's four, five, six hundred, is it worth doing that and then buying the stock back again? Or should you only do this if you have a loss of two, three, four thousand or more? Is there a set amount that's kind of recommended? And then again, is this just for long term holding stocks of one year or longer? Or should you even do this for short-term held stocks, maybe like for four, five, six, seven months or so? Just wondering more specific details on this sale rule to capture your losses for taxes. Thank you guys for your help. Look forward to hearing your answers on your podcast. Well, it doesn't matter whether it's long or short. um, And the size is all relative. $400 $400 to one person might be small and it might be large to another. And it's all relative to what gains you have uh, on on the books so far uh, that you've taken for the year and how much tax you're willing to pay. Some people don't want to pay any tax. They want to try to offset all of their gains and they're willing to wait 31 days to buy uh, some positions, the positions back. Now there's the risk that hey, 31 days later, maybe... The stock's up dramatically, and that wipes out uh, any savings in taxes that you might have. If you're in a high tax bracket, that's probably pretty low. <laughs> you know, it'd have to really rally for it to happen. But then also, do you want to sell even more and, and get uh, a net loss, and you can write up up to three thousand dollars a year on your taxes if you have more? You know. Uh, you have you have complete net losses, so it's really up to you. Uh, you know the way I think about it more is: Are you thinking? Are you on the fence of holding this name or not? Are you potentially going to sell it next year anyway. If you are, then maybe you just take it, take it now instead of the new year. So the the size, just like anything, is relative. Like people say, oh, I have $5,000 invested in this company. Okay, is that your all of your investing money? And therefore, it's 100% of your allocation of your portfolio? Or do you have a million dollars and $5,000? It's a very small percentage. Everything is relative. It's relative to what you want to pay in taxes and what your tax rate is. So it's more of a, Weighing all, all the different factors and everyone's situations are a bit different.
Now, I think we can squeeze in another call question here, so let's try. Hey, this is Don from Durham, North Carolina. Thanks so much for the show. I'm interested in uh, what you think of EMR, Emerson Electric. I see, you know, the 50-day has gone above the 200-day. Recently, I like the company. I'm just a little nervous about whether it's really going to keep going or you think it's going to probably pull back. So I'm, I'm looking for an entry point for EMR. Thanks a lot. Bye-bye. All right. Emerson Electric, very solid, consistent company. If you look at its earnings throughout the years, it pretty much goes up every single year. Now, earnings are expected to be down next year, 21%, but back up 12% in 2024. Revenue growth at about 8% per quarter, year over year, earnings up about 16%. And its relative strength right now is 91. So it's doing uh, very well. Not a huge dividend yield, 2.1%, but it's a consistent dividend payer and dividend grower. If you look at its latest dividend amount, about 52 cents, but that's been consistently growing since the 80s. Now, the good thing is they have return equity around 31%, very high, modest debt, trading an enterprise value to EBITDA about 13, which we see as fairly valued. We like the name. But I don't think you're getting cheap here. You're getting it probably fairly valued. But the technicals are good. Like you said, the 50 days now above the 200 and the 100 day moving average. It's consolidating right around this 95 level, right below the 100 mark. And looks like it wants to power higher. MACD is now above the zero line. So trend is is up. So I like Emerson. This is tight. One of those really salt of the earth businesses. What is for everyone else out there? I, I know what Emerson does because been around this business for 20 plus years, but they design so, and supply product technology and engineering services for industrial, commercial, and consumer markets. They're in, they, they provide products for automation and the electric space. So uh, I'm heading to a break now. Give me a call at 888-99-CHART. This is Invest Talk. Is your portfolio balanced? Is it optimized? Is it delivering the types of gains you want and need to achieve financial freedom? Well, turn up the volume because there are many questions that deserve unbiased answers. And Justin Klein is here now, ready to take your calls live. 888-99-CHART. Go to Edgar. He's in San Diego. Let's talk about value investing. Yes. Hi, Justin. I've been uh, trying to find a, a mutual fund or, <clears throat> excuse me, ETF that is value investing and covers uh, small, medium, large cap companies. Is there any such a ETF around? That covers large, mid, and small. I don't know any off the top of my head. I mean, there are a lot of, you know, value-focused funds. You know, what we do for our clients, we're kind of in that way, right? We go kind of anywhere, large, mid, and, and small. Um, so most funds in general, ETFs or mutual funds they are going to buy, they're going to be kind of pigeonholed with large, medium, or small. 
that's just frankly what the vast majority of them are, right? Like if you bring up a Vanguard value, VTV, that's going to be large cap value, right? But there are many small cap value funds. There are mid cap value funds. You know, uh, are there all cap value funds? I'm sure there are, but I don't know any off the top of my head, to be honest with you, or any that are any good. Uh, that's for sure. So I think you're just going to have to do your own research and, and try to find ones that span uh, all parts of uh, the, the market. Um, there's a lot of funds out there. So I'm sure there are ones that will do that. Um, but you're going to have to do a little research. And frankly, like I said, I don't know any of the top of my head. Okay, now the second yeah. if, uh, if uh, someone wants to go into a value fund, uh, would, would it be better to stay with medium cap or large or small? Uh, small, small, medium. Uh, if I've said this many times over the past uh, many months, the spread uh, valuation between the large and small caps is near record highs. Now it's come off because small caps have started to outperform large caps. And that's also part of this shift, you know, talk about long duration versus short duration, value over growth, um, active versus passive. Another is small over large. And so the best category, if you're looking at the Morningstar style box, which is you know, basically how you can sum up uh, different style factors, small cap value is clearly the most attractive in the market right now. Does that mean you put all of your money in small cap value? Not necessarily, but you, you want to be overweight those areas. So that's the way you want to think about it. Thanks for the call, Edgar. Now, lastly, let's touch on some changes that are coming down the pipe, uh, and it's very likely to be adopted because this was part of an SEC proposal unveiled last week, and there were multiple things to this proposal. But one was to change the tick size, and most stocks are traded now by the penny. You pay $57.22. Well... They're, they're trying to add another tenth of a cent there. So it'd be $57.22 cents. So what this, is, what this is trying to do is lower that spread that a lot of the high-frequency traders are making at right? the citadels of the world. And this is how long I've been doing this. This is not a new thing. When I started doing this, it was eight, or sorry, sixteenths of a cent. Oh, no, one eighth of a dollar. Excuse me, one eighth of a dollar. Right, so stocks would trade at thirteen and a quarter, fifteen and five eighths. Then in ninety-seven, they move it to one sixteenth of a dollar, and then eventually in two thousand one, to cents. So I've been doing it a long time, and I've seen the spread between the bid and the ask shrink, and it's out. And more. And this is actually a very good thing for investors and will likely be adopted sometime in the next few years. We'll see when the exact date is. Uh, but that's positive. And these are the things the SEC should be working on consistently to make the cost of investing a lot lower. And this is uh, one thing that's coming down the pipe. And I love it.
I'm Justin Klein. This completes another Invest Talk program. Steve Peasley and I thank you for listening. We encourage you to tell your friends and family about our free podcast downloads, which you can find anytime at iTunes, Spotify, or Google Play. And be sure to rate and review on iTunes as well. Independent thinking, shared success. This is Invest Talk. Good night. Invest Talk is a trademark of KPP Financial. Because of the nature of the interactive dialogue inherent in the format of this program, it's important for the listener to understand that not all comments made will apply to them. Specifically, nothing said shall be taken to be investment advice, or shall statements on this program be considered an offer to buy or sell security. Because such advice is rendered solely on an individual basis, and at times will require that the investor review a prospectus before investing. InvestTalk is a copyrighted program of Klein, Pavlis, and Peasley Financial, a registered investment advisor firm which retains all rights. For more information regarding KPP's investment advisors, call 1-800-557-5461.